right now, uh, I promised you uh, some some information on something that is kind of news to me. But as I say, I remember when I was a kid, um, one of my buddies from school caught a salamander in Rundle Park. And little Sarah, you say you had a pet salamander, right? You caught a salamander? Yeah, well, my dad caught him. And then we got to keep him for a winter. And he, and he stayed alive for the whole winter? Yeah, he was alive the whole time. His name was Buddy. And Sarah came. It was pretty cute. <laughs> so Sarah had a salamander that she caught in the wilds uh, out by the farm in Two Hills. And uh, he lived for a whole winter. So, I mean, they're out there. They're around. And I'm getting texts and pictures from lots of listeners saying, yeah, I run to them all the time. Um, this listener says, yeah, salamanders. I grew up east of Statler, and we had them everywhere. They lived in our coal, bill, our coal bin. That's from uh, Siobhan. And other people saying, oh, yeah, we, we catch salamanders in our sandbox all the time, southern Alberta. So there you go. Uh, let's find out exactly how widespread they are and why there is a bit of concern around them. We're going to chat right now um, with... Peter Daly. Peter is uh, executive member of the Alberta Amphibian and Reptile Conservancy, also president of the Edmonton Reptile and Amphibian Society. Peter, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on board. Always eager for an opportunity to talk about creepy crawlies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are going to be kind of surprised by some of the information we pass along. First of all, indeed, there are salamanders in Alberta. Um, How many? How many species? Where do they live? All those sorts of things. Okay, we've only got two species of salamanders in Alberta. One that you'll find around the Edmonton area and throughout much of the southern portion of the province, the tiger salamander, Ambistoma mavordium. Uh, This is the biggest uh, terrestrial salamander in the world. So even though we don't have a lot of species in Alberta, we at least have a pretty remarkable They are really closely related to axolotls, the uh, salamanders that stay aquatic you find in pet stores, uh, belong to the same genus, and uh, their larvae look almost exactly the same. That is sort of when they're in the tadpole stage and ready to come out of the water. Okay, when you're talking about largest terrestrial salamander, how how large is it? Uh, a really big one can get somewhere in excess of 25 centimeters. So by okay. terrestrial salamander standards, that's pretty big. But there are aquatic ones, like the Japanese and Chinese giant salamanders, that can get to be uh, like one and a half uh, to 1.8 meters long. Wow. Seriously? <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're pretty impressive. How widespread are salamanders in Alberta? Like I say, I think I know one who caught a guy who caught one in the east end of Edmonton. Sarah says she caught one in the Two Hills area. So they're pretty widespread, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, basically all throughout the Edmonton area and through most of the south half of the province. Uh, But you don't run into them nearly as much as you do some of their other amphibian relatives like frogs because they don't really make any sound. Whereas frogs, you'll hear them calling even if you don't see them as frequently. Uh, They're going to be breeding in the same kind of ponds that you'd expect from frogs. But yeah, they're not making a racket. And generally when people find them, it's out in the country where they have something that's going to be a an inadvertent pit trap like uh, uh, post holes when you're making fences out on the farm or uh, a bit of a depression around your window or a fence or curb that hems them in, something like that. And when I see them most frequently in the Edmonton area, since I don't have property that encompasses any of those criteria, is late in the summer when the young ones have... uh, gone into their land-dwelling phase, like from the equivalent of their tadpole stage, and are out cruising around 
after having left the ponds looking for a place to hibernate over the winter. And they are most frequently seen at night and during rain because, like frogs, they have uh, thin, uh, permeable skin. They dry out pretty easily. They like to stay where it's damp. Okay, and they do hibernate. I'm getting some questions from listeners. They, they, They hibernate during the winter then? Yeah, absolutely. Though technically you might call it brewmating, uh, since hibernating is something that uh, mammals, mammals do. Regardless, they, uh, they are dormant over the winter and utilize pre-existing things like gopher burrows and such. Because uh, okay. they're not great diggers on their own. Gotcha. Fair they're enough. Now, below the line. doing some of the reading put out by the groups you're involved with, it, I was kind of surprised to find out that uh, their numbers have dwindled quite a bit. And the thinking is... Not entirely, of course, but part of the reason is because they end up getting run over on the roads quite a bit? Yeah, a fair bit. And more of a concern for the tiger salamanders is just the habitat destruction in general. Uh, But if a road is put in close to a breeding site, of course, their breeding site isn't going to be the same as the site they're hibernating. So they're going to be tracking back and forth from those places over the course of their active season. And given the right circumstances, yeah, a lot of them can be roadkills. Other salamander species, the uh, long-toed salamander, which uh, you can find uh, throughout much of the mountains, they've actually installed uh, some underpasses to allow the salamanders to cross the road safely uh, rather than them all getting stuck on the road surface and being trapped at curbs. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people texting me saying, hey, they have these underpasses in Waterton. That seems to be where most people are noticing them. Yep, they were installed in 2008, and so far they've been really successful at helping protect these salamander populations there. And they also put up some uh, temporary fencing that's uh, along the side of the road to help funnel the salamanders towards those underpasses. Interesting. Okay. Hey, I wanted to ask you while I've got you. Um, Last fall, I was walking through the River Valley in Edmonton, Gold Bar Park, and literally I have lived on the edge of Gold Bar Park since 1973. And I have been in the bush there countless hours over the course of my lifetime. I came across a garter snake. I had never seen one before in the park, but then I was told, oh yeah, I see them all the time. So, I mean, are these reptiles out there and I'm just not paying attention and other people, like how how widespread are these salamanders and snakes and things like that? Oh, you can find uh, garter snakes all throughout Edmonton's River Valley. Now, they are generally pretty alert and they when you, they see you coming and when they feel the vibrations of you stomping through the ground, they're going to take off. And of course, they don't really make a lot of rackets. So, yeah. If you're not paying close attention or not walking in the right spots, then you're not going to see a lot of them. Are um, they the only snakes we have? Hmm? Are they the only species of snake that we have? Uh, we do have a couple other species of garter snakes that you can occasionally find around Edmonton, but typically it's the western red-sided garter snake, Amnelthus sertalis parietalis, that you find in Edmonton. These are the same species that you'll see in the news every year regarding the Narcisse snake dens in Manitoba. In Manitoba, yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because uh, garter snakes, uh, they'll hibernate in big groups together uh, in underground retreats, kind of like the salamanders that they call hibernacula, that, where they hibernate. And in many cases, there'll be huge numbers of them. And these uh, red-sided garter snakes are 
the most northerly ranging reptile in North America because they're really cold tolerant. Uh, sometimes you'll see the snakes popping their heads out from the entrance of their hibernacula in even March when there's still snow on the ground, a little snake head popping out of a really? hole. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of our other uh, amphibian species here are even more cold tolerant than that. Uh, probably the most common frog that people see around Edmonton is the wood frog, Lithobates sylvatica. Uh, brown or gray with a black mask on the side of their face like Zorro. These yeah. are the most northerly ranging amphibians in North America and will actually go as far as the Arctic Circle. Uh, they develop sugars in their bloodstream in the fall yeah. that allow them to survive temperatures as low as about minus six and keeps ice crystals from forming in their cells and in their bloodstream, like where we would get frostbite. Yeah. Um, they don't, as long as it doesn't get lower than minus six. Okay, so, now hang on, you're, you're, sen- you're talking about antifreeze. That, that's what antifreeze is. Yeah, uh, yeah, a natural antifreeze. And <laughs> yeah, so these frogs will literally be solid without the ice crystals uh, breaking through their cells and killing them. And then in the springtime, they'll thaw out and hop away. And if we could bottle this effectively, if we could reverse engineer it, that would be absolutely revolutionary for things like organ transplants, where instead of having to worry about, well, we've got to get this hard part from uh, Nebraska to Tokyo in under seven hours or it's dead, you could inject it with uh, wood frog sugar and then you put it on ice and then you can take a more calm, measured approach to getting it done or even have a bank of replacement organs for people who need it. Crazy. Hey, uh, just before I let you go, Peter, I'm getting a ton of questions from people on the text line. And, and you know, a lot of people said, oh, I, I used to catch them as a kid. I had garter snakes as a kid. I had salamanders as a kid. I kept them in a tank. And some other people are saying, is that a good idea? Or should we be bothering these animals and catching them? Or is what would you recommend people do if they come across a garter snake or a salamander or a frog this spring? Well, I would be a bit of a hypocrite if I said, Leave it alone entirely because, admittedly, I spent my entire childhood uh, (laughs) chasing frogs and toads. And it's a really good way of getting people engaged and appreciating some creatures that maybe don't have the best public reputation in some cases. But uh, these are wild animals. And particularly with amphibians, they're very delicate uh, to handle. So it's the kind of thing that they're best left in nature. But... uh, there's still plenty of opportunity to go out and see them in the wild and appreciate them for the really cool creatures that they are. Um, if folks are interested in learning more about these, they can come talk to uh, representatives of the Alberta Amphibian uh, Alberta and Reptile Con- Amphibian and Reptile Conservancy at the uh, Reptile Show that's happening this upcoming weekend at uh, the Kingsway Aviation Museum Saturday and Sunday. Uh, there'll be a whole bunch of critters there and folks like us who will be talking about our native wildlife. Perfect. There you go. And I think a lot of people are very interested in this. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you joining us. My pleasure, Trey. I'm glad to have been of service. You bet. That is Peter Daly. Um, Peter is a wealth of knowledge. Peter is uh, the, an executive member of the Alberta Amphibian and Reptile Conservancy and also president of the Edmonton Reptile and Amphibian Society. A mountain of text. It sounds like a whole lot of people have uh, a lot of experience when it comes to salamanders and 
um, lizards and uh, reptiles and well, not lizards necessarily, but snakes. Snakes, I guess, is is the is the big one. Karen says I've seen them at Travers Dam. It's great, cute little guy. And in New Brunswick, I found one. He was indigo blue with orange spots like lizards. That sounds pretty cool. Now listen to this. This listener says, I have three salamanders. Uh, I'm in Lacombe. I found them all locally. Easy pets. You feed them once every couple of weeks in the summer, once a month to six weeks in the winter. Keep the environment moist to wet. This listener says, Shay, for what it's worth, I grew up in St. Albert in the 1960s. We used to catch salamanders all the time in our window wells. They weren't all that uncommon at that time. So there you go. Lots of people with a lot of experience. And then I got a really gross picture. Sarah, do you like snakes? I love snakes. I was just looking at the picture. You see that picture? (laughs) Somebody sent us a a snake ball picture from uh, just outside of Spruce Grove. Garter snakes. I don't know how many are in there. It looks like a big bowl of spaghetti.